Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Good morning. Are you glad to be here? Yes. And you know, I, I usually ask when I say, I said, how are you doing? If there's a hesitation, I'm like, oh, there's a reason why you hesitated. But uh, if you're really glad to be here, then I hope you come expecting. Because I promise you this, the Lord has something special for you. It may already happen during the worship. It may happen in the lobby, but stay tuned and let the Lord do something special for you. Before we go any further, let's give a quick shout out. This last or yesterday, we had our fall carnival. How many had a chance to go? Come on. Let's give it up for our ambassadors as well. Miss Stephanie, who organized everything. Thank you so much. It was great. And it's really a reflection of what we're supposed to do. It's not just about the Sunday morning coming together. It's what are we doing when we leave here? What are we making others aware that we're even here? Letting them know how much we love them. And if you're watching online, we want you to know how much we love you. I'm thrilled that you're actually here this morning. And I don't like just throwing out token words. I want you to know how much I love you. And I'm praying that this word this morning as we're praying even in the green room as, as Pastor Tim always does and uh, for any guest. And thank you so much, Pastor Tim, for just giving me this opportunity to share. But I don't want my words just to go out unless it's his words or prompted by him to share. Because the very topic that we're going to be talking about is something that I think is uh, enough significance that will keep us from just going through the motions. Father, right now, I thank you. I thank you in advance for what you're going to be doing in the service today. Lord, there's individuals that are here that I want to see something real. I want to see the genuine. Is it just about the motions? Is it just about the attendance? Is it just about the things? Or is there a real God out there? Father, show up and show out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I got a question, which is the title of the message, but now you need to let it set and soak for a second because the answer is real easy. But the thing is, when I ask it, I want it to soak a little bit because you need to weigh out the cost. If I really want this, what's it going to cost me? And that is this. Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to make a difference in your family, your marriage, your work, your life? Do you want it to count? Do you want it to make a difference? How about us? Can we make a difference individually as well as corporately? I'm reminded when, when I was playing ball all the way back in high school, we had a coach that before we would go out and take the court, he'd, say, he'd get us around and say, guys, let them know you're here. I, we knew exactly what he meant. Meant when we take that court, we need to stay focused. We know what we're doing. Whatever opposition comes our way, we're ready to adjust. We have our individual assignments while we're buckled down together, working as a team that when that game was over, we're going to leave a lasting impression. So it makes me think, what kind of impression are you and I leaving? What are we leaving for our families? What are we leaving for our kids? What, what about the church? What are we leaving? You know, there's kind of a four-step test the Lord gave me several years ago about at least how to know I'm in the process of making my, left my life count. It's kind of four eyes. Those words are integrity, influence, impacts, and impressions. The very first thing that you and I need to do is live a life of integrity. Not perfection. We can't achieve that. But it is excellence. Be a man or woman of your word. You know, integrity is really summed up for who you are when no one else is looking. 
But when we live a life of integrity, what it leads to is genuine influence. Not positional influence, but genuine influence. That means I like you, I trust you, even the little bit that I know you, so I open up and will allow you to feed into my life. That's something you give to others when they have influence, genuine influence in your life. That's what we want. Living a life of integrity, that it gives us influence, that during the course of our life, we make enough positive impacts with our family, with our friends, at work, to the point where when you and I walk out of the room, we leave an impression. What impression are you leaving on those around you? Can we make a difference? Is there a difference? You know, I started thinking, well, if we truly want to make a difference, then you and I have to be different. The very first thing at the time I remember saw a difference was my family is a good family. We went to the big church. Uh, we had our attendance record. And, and uh, I mean, we showed up. We did the thing. But I remember when I was 16. And our church was exploding in growth. And I loved I was there. But there's a difference between always be there and being in there. And I got a job at the church. My uncle was the pastor. And basically, I'm cleaning the church just to pay my car payment. And one night I'm up there cleaning and, and there's only just me. And I thought my uncle who was in his office and I'm listening to him as he's having a conversation. I thought, you know, I probably should listen in. So, you know, in case I need to help later on. Yeah. Now I'm just being nosy, man. I'm leaning in. I'm looking like, okay, maybe I can get some juice of what's going on in the church. And I'm listening in. I'm listening to my uncle have a conversation. And all of a sudden I begin to hear him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. But Lord, I'm going to need your help. I'm like, who in the world is he talking to? And I'm listening further and I'm listening to him begin to prep for a Sunday message. He's having a conversation. And all of a sudden, as a 16-year-old, that moved me from just going to church to understanding there is a difference. And I want that. I want a genuine relationship with a living king. I just don't know what to do. Let me tell you, even when I wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit, I remember talking to my dad and said, you want to go up to the altar? I said, no. <laughs> I want to go down to my uncle's house. And I remember sitting on the couch and I remember I was looking at Acts chapter two and I'm like, uh, uh, Uncle Ronnie, I want this. I want no more but that. I don't want that weird stuff. I want this. And he's just sitting there smiling and listening to me. I mean, I was like a la carte everything from the Lord. You know, <laughs> anybody else kind of want it your way? My heart was right because what I didn't want was fake and phony. I wanted what was genuine. And I remember also being a little guy, some of you probably getting your kids together, and, and, and man, that, that can be a chore. The fact, if you have more than two kids and you show up on time, I, I think there's angels giving you a little applause. <laughs> but I remember us getting it. Almost every morning as a kid was almost the same. My mom yelling at me and my brother, get up, get ready, get ready. We got to go as we're getting ready to go to Sunday school. And uh, my dad, it was always the same thing. Boys, get ready. I'll see you at church. Go to Sunday school. I'll see you at church. The thing was, I don't remember my dad hardly ever showing up to church. And I remember one of those typical mornings, we're yelling, get ready. And we're yelling back and, and telling them we are. But I yelled back this time, how old do I have to be until I stay home like dad? My dad started going to church. <laughs> Because he realized the words that he was saying, the speeches that he may have been given were going over my head, but the actions on how he was living 
was leaving an impression in his little guy's life. Now all of a sudden, I need more than what I was used to. I need to make a difference or my sons are going to follow after me. I'm like, Father, there has to be more. So what do we do? What instructions does the Word of God give us about leaving an impression? There's three quick verses right here that I want to read to you. Luke 19, 13. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Occupy till I come. Now, a better translation is invest this for me till I come. Invest. The next verse, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope for Him, will regain new strength and renew their power. Now this Hebrew word here is gava, and it's not a passive word about wait, just sitting down on a couch waiting for the Lord. It's actually a very productive uh, and proactive word, means for us to be active. Anticipation for God to act. The other one is Hebrews 11.6. It is impossible to please God without faith. So those three words right there, invest, serve, and faith. We need to invest our lives by serving the Lord and living by faith. But we're going to focus today just on that last one because faith is the key to making a difference, especially if it says we can't even please him without it. Hebrews 4.2 says, for indeed, and I love this. Now imagine, I'm going to have to use this side over here. It says, for the word of God was preached unto us as well as unto them, but it didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That literally means all of us could come in, hear the word of God, and only those that activate faith will it be of any benefit to. It is not enough for us just to hear the word and get it in our head. It must get in our heart where it becomes real. You know, the difference of logos and rhema, word. And the key is understanding this element of faith. So let's look at seven steps of faith to help us make a difference in our life. Number one, know what you need from God. Man, that sounds so simple. But it's amazing how many times we just wander around on what we really need. Know what you need from God. Have you ever heard the phrase, and again, we say a lot of wonderful phrases in churches sometimes that actually have no scriptural foundation, but we, we get excited about them. Let's bombard the gates of heaven. Well, why in the world are we going to bombard the gates of heaven? Imagine Thanksgiving's coming up, and if Mandy and I were in there getting our turkey ready, and all of a sudden we hear, you hear that, Donald? There's yelling, and it's out front. I go up to the door and open the door, and there's my kids on the sidewalk. Daddy, please let us in. Please get your tail in this house. <laughs> Shut up and get in here. I mean, when we paint a picture like that, but unfortunately we've, we've, we've put God at such a place where he says, come boldly into the throne room. But we feel like, can I have that kind of relationship to obtain that mercy and grace? Now listen, it's boldness not arrogance. You don't just come stomping in there doing your own thing. It's with an element of confidence because we know whose we are. But I'm not tearing the house up. I'm having respect for my heavenly father. But we can have that kind of relationship with him. I mean, picture yourself 
Going into a grocery store, you get that shopping cart and you're going down and looking at all, oh my gosh, look at all the food. You're, you're aisle after aisle, aisle after aisle. And then you go home because you didn't put anything in the cart and you're telling your kids, you're not going to believe this. Huh? Let me tell you what we could have had for breakfast. <laughs> I didn't do anybody any good until you get that word in you. It's not about being around it. It's not about just hearing it. It's when we start living it that we begin to see changes in our life. The world needs to see a difference. In 9-11, after 9-11, there was a study that showed almost all denominations saw a spike in attendance after our nation was attacked because people were turning to the church for hope, comfort, and answers. About a year later, there's another study that showed not only did, again, across denominational lines, not only did they lose that spike, but church attendance was less than it was pre the attack. Because not all churches, but as a, as a whole, people were turning for comfort, hope, and answers, and they weren't getting it. There needs to be a difference. And it starts with us. But I can't give what I don't have. I can't share what I don't know. Faith is part of the difference. Number two, read scriptures that promise the answer you need. Read scriptures that promise the answer you need. Joshua 1.8 says this way, this way. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Another translation says, don't let it depart out of your mouth. It's not about your head. It's your mouth. So let me ask you, what are you speaking over your family? What are you speaking over your life? What are you speaking over your career? What is coming out of your mouth? It said, don't let this word depart out of your mouth. Meaning it's not just stored up in my head. I'm speaking it. I'm constantly doing my best to speak that word. There was an old show. I don't think I even watched any of the episodes until it had been off the air 30 years. And another friend said, you got to watch this. And it was silly. Now it's about 60 years old. But it's, it's uh, anybody ever watch Mayberry, uh, uh, Barney Fife? Uh, the old Barney Fife. He's just, he's a deputy, but he is a goofy little guy. Uh, he had his gun, but how many bullets did he have? All right, we have some people in there. He had one bullet. And where did he carry it? In his pocket. Because he's always, he's just crazy. So, all of a sudden I'm thinking about Barney and all of a sudden I, I just got this picture. Unfortunately, many Christians are like Barney Five Christians. We only have one verse and it's not in my heart. It's rattling around my head from 20 years ago at a VBS. And all of a sudden the enemy is coming after my family, coming after my kids. And I'm trying to get one verse into a gun as it's storming to take my kids. We don't need to be relying on one verse that I remember halfway of it. I need more than one. I want a machine gun with multiple things. And listen, when that enemy is coming after me, I don't even need to see myself as the only one shooting. I need to be locking arms with Mandy. I need to be locking arms with friends, telling them the enemy's coming after my child. The enemy's coming after my health. Let's speak the word of God, join forces. But again, we can't shoot anything that's not in here. When the enemy comes after us, we can't stand up and give our church attendance. We can't talk about how much we volunteered. All these things are good. But the Word of God is paramount. That it must be in our hearts. 
He said he watches over his word to perform it, not our tears. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. But we need to speak his word. So he has something to watch over. He will fulfill his word. Man, I'm telling you, when I got into this and, and you know, I had to preach it to myself and then go back over to make sure I'm, I'm living my own words. Incidentally, I'm so thrilled that my, my Mandy is right here, my daughter Anna, and uh, two of my friends, Jason and Justin. I'm so glad you guys are here. How many, anybody get to go to, well, we had the marriage retreat last weekend. Two hours before the marriage retreat, Mandy fractures her foot. She's here with her boot on. I'm telling you, she did the Rambo. She just laced herself up with the blood. No, there's no blood. But she went through the, she went through the whole weekend as a trooper, and she's got her boot on here. And thank you for being here. Number three, ask God for the things you need. I told you it's simple, but how many times, even with simplicity, do we get off track? Because simplicity leads to significance. So we need to make it simple, but ask God for the things you want. Let me tell you why a lot of people stop. Matthew 6, 8. Do, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask. So we can just stop right there. He already knows what we have need of. But look at this next verse. James 4, 2, 3 says, You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Can I tell you this is one of the real reasons I love Pastor Tim and how he preaches? Because the very topic that we're talking about here it has an element of controversy within the church. But I'm telling you, if they're surrounded by controversy, there's gold in the middle of it. There's value. The enemy is going to come after anything of value and do his best to distort it or at least get individuals to pervert it to the point where we don't want to be associated with individuals that are abusing the word. So we identify those that are abusing it and get over here. But the problem is we never talk to anybody about what to do. That's kind of like discipline on our kids and all we ever do is tell them what not to do. But I've never told them what to do. I've never called the gifts out of them that the Lord has put in them. See, we kind of quit running away from these things and rightly divide the word of truth. And I love that Pastor Tim will dive straight into deep topics, speaking the truth, because there's value here. It's impossible to please the Lord without faith. James 4, well, we must deal with the wrong motives. Hebrews 4, 12, and I love this part. This is, this is the big thing because there are those that take the word of God and use it for selfish gain. But we don't have to worry about much because this is it. It says the word of God is alive and active. Do you know that verse right there is what separates the Bible from just being a good read, a history book? It's his word. He is active. He's alive. So when he endorsed it and we speak it in faith, he watches over it. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing a soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of my heart. Before I speak it, he already knows where the angle I'm coming from. Asking is praying, and we must pray. There's an old quote I wanted to read you. It says, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from our prayerless studies, our prayerless work, our prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. 
He doesn't care if we get together. But when we begin to speak the Word of God over each other, over our country, over our friends, over our lives, now all of a sudden we become dangerous to Him. And when we join forces, you cannot, ha- you cannot have enough prayer teams to replace a praying pastor. And that's why I love that our pastor, Pastor Tim, sets the tone, sets the pace for prayer in this house. Because nothing dynamic or lasting happens without prayer. So we must speak the word. That's one of the main reasons why we are so blessed. John 5, 14. So how do we have confidence in our prayers? It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, anything according to his will. You got to circle that. You can't just ask anything that you desire. We must ask according to his word. He will hear us. And if we know that he hears us. Whatsoever we ask for, we know that we have the petitions that we desired. Here's the deal. That's why I can't go off in left field and start asking the Lord, man, I love that car. I believe the Lord's telling you to give me that car. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. You can't just begin to ask for anything that you want. I was uh, preaching when I was, I think it was about 21 years old and and uh, I was sharing a message, and it was, it was, I think it was on faith. And I had a young lady that came to the altar afterwards, and I remember her sharing with me, said, I know what I want, and I'm speaking it in faith, and I'm standing in agreement that the Lord is going to make it mine. I'm like, wonderful, what is that? It's you. <laughs> yeah. And here we are. Mandy and I are here, 35 years. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, that was not Mandy. <laughs> No, I had to tell her, well, uh, thank you, but you cannot supersede somebody else's will. You can't do that. Now, now listen, that doesn't mean we don't pray for our friends or family. You better believe that we can pray around them. The Bible talks about praying that labors are sent. That's both directly and indirectly. I pray for those that have direct conversation and those that, Father, just set them at the table in the restaurant that they're near somebody else, that they can hear them indirectly, that that influence is always around them because the Word of God that they heard does not return void. So any opportunity that I speak and we're praying in agreement, that that stirs that up in them that all of a sudden they're drawn back to the Lord because it's a holy conviction, not a heavy condemnation. Man, we never need to step forward in anything without prayer. Number four, they'll believe that you receive. Mark 11, 23 and 24, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, Notice it said heart, not head. You're going to have some things that come in your head. And the Bible says, take those thoughts captive. Line it back up with the word. But believe that what he says, it'll happen. It'll be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive it and it will be yours. Now, again, you can't ask for anything that goes contrary to the word of God. So I can't ask unless I already know. That's why I can't just have a few verses in my head. They have to be in my heart. You know, we can have all kinds of good intentions, but it's only the reality of what we do that is really leaving that impression that we want. Romans 4, 17, when everything was hopeless, listen to this, when everything was hopeless, you may be in a situation right now that you feel like Abraham here, everything Everything seemed hopeless. Abraham believed anyway. 
deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. Man, that's powerful. My skills, everything about us, we're limited, but he isn't. When we lean on him, our part should always feel like work. But if it gets heavy, you're either doing it wrong or you're doing his part. So step back in. Father, show me what to do, what to say, and I'll do it. And then I need to rest in that peace. <laughs> Even think about J. Iris, the synagogue leader. I was thinking about him. and This is a guy that by the very clothes that he wore, you recognize the authority that he had. Even if you didn't know his name, you knew that is somebody important. But all of a sudden, when his 12-year-old daughter is dying, he didn't care about the polish, the prestige. I don't care about that. I need Jesus. The Bible says that as Jesus was walking along in front of everybody, he didn't call him and say, hey, could you have a... Well, I don't guess he'd call him anyway. But he didn't have somebody say, hey, could you pull Jesus off the side and have something really important to share? He didn't care. He fell on his knees and he pleaded the Lord, please... Please come. My daughter is dying. The Bible says it's a heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man that makes tremendous power available. Sometimes we pray a lot of prayers that we're not really having a heart connection. You'll pray louder and longer if your heart is connected. And it doesn't mean because we pray loud that we're getting through. The Lord can hear us. But there's a passion because there's a connection. And he got on his knees and I need you. And Jesus said, I'm coming. As they're walking, though, the word comes and said, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter is already dead. This is the part. The five words that he said to, to Jairus is the same thing that you and I need to keep ringing in our ear when we're faced with some of the things that we're faced with. He said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Some of you are facing some things right now that fear and the facts are huge. And faith is not denying the facts. Faith is not a mind over matter. This is not a hyper faith. It's looking at those facts and put them in proper perspective of God's truth. Okay. This is what's going on in my marriage. This is what's going on with my health. But the Bible says that by His stripes I'm healed. I feel like I'm wandering around, but the Bible says He has a purpose for my life. Don't deny the facts. Just speak God's truth. The problem is, when I don't know His truth, I can get overwhelmed by the facts. That's also why we don't need to isolate ourselves. Because I don't know everything. I need good friends to remind me. Spur each other on, as the Bible says. it. Speak a word over me. Refresh it. Stir it back up. <laughs> Faith is not a mind over matter. So, what do we do with those facts? Put them in proper perspective with God's truth. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible. I remember about 10 years ago, because it, it took about 10 years before, uh, you know, it's a 10-year-old testimony. The Lord didn't really want me to share it for a while, and it was, it was tremendous. I mean, there's about 25, I think 25 to 30 of this pastors that we had of this, like, five-day excursion. It was, it was great. About the middle of it, day three, we had this one day where all of us kind of took a vow of silence and we're just going out. It's on this beautiful ranch and we're just going out to different places. 
uh, and you find a place wherever the Lord wants to direct you and you just pray and just, just listen to the Lord for the day and we're writing things down. And I had a good friend, another pastor, that, that had a major accident about 15 years before that and he had to have hearing aids. And I had no idea how expensive his were. But when he's out there, the vow of saints, he takes his off because he wants to hear nothing except the Lord. And he's out there and it's a wonderful experience. Well, all of a sudden we're back at, the, uh, back at the ranch and we're talking and he realizes, I don't have my hearing aids. And they were very expensive and it's in the fall, leaves on the ground and it's like, I'm about a mile away. Uh, I found a big oak tree. And then there's, a, I mean, very, very vague. And the Lord tells me, I want you to go. I slip out and I'm taking a walk and I'm going, Lord, there's a mile down here. I think that's the oak tree and turning here and walking around. And as I get to a certain point and the Lord tells me, now kneel down. There's nobody else out there. And I kneel down and all of a sudden, right there in front of me, the leaves, it looked like a mushroom that poked up among the leaves. And what it was was the earbud of the, the earpiece that was upside down. I grabbed that thing. Man, I'm rejoicing out in the world. I mean, it was amazing. I'm just thanking the Lord. I'm yelling. And, and now all of a sudden, look what I have done. Yeah, you got to be careful. Man, I, I already had two books written. I'm ready to talk about how to hear the voice of the Lord. I'm telling you this. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could make it into a movie. It's going to be great. I'm telling you this because I was going through a process in my own life and the Lord was told me, no, when you go back, you don't go in there and say one thing. I'm like, Lord, man, we had a parade ready. I, you know, I would have summed everything up in about 30 minutes and no. He said, matter of fact, don't, in there, don't even go to one of the other pastors. You go in the kitchen and you give it to one of them and say, hey, go in there and tell them that somebody found this. I'm somebody, man, that was me. <laughs> I, but the Lord was teaching me, Stan, if you want to walk in there and you want to hand it over, then you've got all the reward that I'm going to give you. Okay, I understand. Yeah, I think I understand. I'd still like to touch a little of that glory. But, you know, that's a part of it. The Lord wants to use us in special ways, but sometimes when he uses us, when we're giving God the glory, make sure that we're not taking the glory that we're giving. One of the quickest ways to shut off the blessings in your life is all of a sudden making it look like it's you. Number five, refuse to doubt. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope that we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. James 1, 2, it says, consider it pure joy. I, I I always have to stop at this verse because it's so easy to say when you're, when you're not needing it or when you're not in trouble. But consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because it's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you stronger. It's like, okay, bring it on. I think one of the first things that I realized how the significance of going through some things but allowing the Lord to use, use you was when I was playing baseball. When I was playing baseball, but I, I was good, but I was at a very small school. I was, very, I was real good at a real small school, and the bigger colleges only would look at me for pitching. That's it. I'm like, but I can play. Doesn't matter. You haven't been through enough. 
They don't think you haven't seen enough good pitching. We don't think you can hit this, but we'll see if you've got a decent arm. All of a sudden, the Lord was showing me, you want to you rise up and do greater things? You want to make a difference? Then be faithful when the things come at you. Be faithful to go through. Don't just think of the big things. Be ready to be faithful in every small thing that He brings at you. Use His Word for everything in your life, not just the big things in life. Number six, focus on the promises. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. I think to a degree that means we may have to turn our ear away from some other words. We may have to be very cognitive of what else we're allowing in. It's very difficult to uh, listen to two voices at the same time. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Notice it didn't say your head. It said your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to the, to the one's body. Above all else, guard your heart. Now that makes sense. If he's telling us, I don't care what you have memorized. There's no life in just quoting verses. It's got to be here. But when the verse is here, when the Word of God is here, you better be on guard to guard it. Because that's when the enemy's going to come and try to steal it. He doesn't care about our church attendance. But if we're going to stand on his word and begin to speak it over our lives, now we're a potential threat to him. Psalms 119, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have written your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalms 19.30, I love this one. The entrance of thy word giveth light and gives understanding to the simple. Father, make it simple so I can grab it. I want to be able to see it. I don't want to get lost in theology. I want to be able to break it down so I can grab it. John 15.7, you got to circle this first word. If, because it's conditional. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you remain in me, that means you have a relationship with the Lord. There's a lot of individuals that have a relationship with the Lord, but that and right there, and my words remain in you. Just because you have a relationship with the Lord doesn't mean that you're going to be able to stand in faith because standing in faith is standing on the Word. I can't stand on something that I do not know. Number seven, give God the praise. Now this goes contrary to a lot because we're praying for something we don't have just yet. You know, the Rangers just threw a parade because they won and had the trophy. But in our spiritual walk, we're giving praise for something that I have by faith, but I don't have it physically just yet. Because that's what he's telling us to do. So we talked a lot about individual differences, making a difference individually, but what about us corporately? All it is is doing the same thing individually, but we're locking arms. When we come into church, there needs to be a difference. The best example I can think of is the very temple that the Lord built. There was the court of the Gentiles, a very open area. The court of the Gentiles is where Jesus got upset because the money changers, all these things were happening. He said, this is a place of prayer. But there's all this activity here. Then there's another place, kind of the holy place, and it's a different court, the court of the women and, and the men and the court of the priest. And it's a lot more prestigious. But the programs and the prestige was still not good enough because there was a third place called the Holy of Holies. That's the presence of the Lord. 
I think to a degree, one of the problems is we've stopped within some churches within programs. If we get sharp enough, if we get keen enough, man, if we get enough skill, talent, and, and if we do things right, our program, programs can replace the presence. It'll never, ever replace the presence. You even have some sitting here thinking, well, no, no, we need to get rid of the programs. We need to get rid of the lights and the screens. It's not about having them or not having them. It's about getting to his presence. But this middle ground is the same. We need more stained glass. We need more tradition. We need more prestige. No, it's not having it or not having it. It's all of those leading up to his presence. When you come in here today, probably one of the greatest things that I felt even worship is understanding that we've already invited the presence of our Father here. He's omnipresent. He's already here, but what He's waiting for is the invitation for the manifest presence. And that's when lives are changed. That's when healing comes in. That's when direction, that's the fog of confusion is lifted because we invite His presence. If we want to make a difference, let's start it individually. But when we come here, we're not about just programs. We're not about just tradition. There's nothing wrong with them as long as we're truly leading to His presence. Father, there's individuals that are here today. They've shown up at churches that had pretty sharp programs, but they didn't see you. There's those that have gone to very traditional path and there's nothing wrong with that, but they still didn't find you. And the thing is, they're hurting. Their marriage is in a mess. They're facing some physical issues. Their direction in life, I just seem so confused. All they need is to come into your presence to feel the difference that you make. As we end this service today, Father, and we have this altar team that will be coming forward, there's hope. Because it's not a hope from, that comes from a program. It's hope because you are here. And we ask you, intervene, Father. Give words that need to be given. Give hope. Speaking against fear. You're not the author of confusion. Father, we thank you for it that we can make a difference in our lives as long as you are in the center of our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Embassy City Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Urban. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text Embassy City, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.